0: Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Monday, March 9th. We begin with a look at the extremely volatile energy market. Dan McTagg from Canadians for Affordable Energy breaks down the two major influences currently having a huge impact on oil prices. A price war between Saudi Arabia and Russia and the global outbreak of COVID-19.
1: Next, we travel to Italy to speak to a Canadian student studying in Lombardy. Taylor Lay shares her experience in the country over the past few months and how or if the novel coronavirus has changed day-to-day life.
0: Then we catch up with reporter Jamie Dahl from Global Calgary to hear details on a frightening new series she's working on focusing on human trafficking taking place in our city.
1: And finally, a new survey aims to understand Albertans' perception and awareness of financial fraud. We take a look at the various forms, with March being Fraud Awareness Month. 7.10 7.10 on the morning news. Another huge blow to Canada's oil industry this past weekend. We saw crude prices fall more than 20% Sunday alone in response to news that Saudi Arabia has increased production while also slashing prices. Fallout is going to affect Canada, Sue, most definitely. We're going to find out what the heck is going on coming up in a bit. We have, mm-hmm. uh, we're have we chasing down Dan McTagg. Of course, he's the president of Canadians for Affordable Energy. Oh, I think maybe, perhaps we have him on the line. It's a Christmas miracle <laughs> in March. It's a St. Patty's Day miracle. Do we have you there, Dad? Hi, Dad. Hi. Hey, good morning. I'm glad we could connect with you. And I think we only have about six minutes. So can you, in that time, break down what is going on in the Middle East?
2: Well, I hate to say it, all hell is breaking loose with respect to Saudi Arabia responding to uh, the upset uh, of not being able to uh, achieve an agreement with Russia to continue down this road of uh, cutting back and curtailing the amount of oil production. Looks like Russia doesn't really care, and Saudi Arabia got miffed, and as a result, uh, the agreement broke off on Friday between OPEC and so-called NOPEC nations, and uh, that has sent the oil prices tumbling now uh, since Friday which had already tumbled 10 bucks a barrel. another uh, looking at here 41 another eight nine dollars a barrel pushing almost ten dollars a barrel. so it looks like there doesn't seem to be a bottom uh, you know to the number. it looks like 30 bucks a barrel for WTI 3435 for Brent, which means our oil Western Canadian select uh, could be as low as uh, I am looking at the numbers here about uh, 16 15, 14 bucks a barrel could be nine uh, by the end of the week, but oh. it's hard to say at this point.
0: Wow. Okay, can you explain, Dan, what it is? So Saudi Arabia and Russia, they start battling over it. OPEC's involved. But how does it all really break down? Because I, I, quite frankly, don't understand it. What, what is it that makes the oil price drop so low?
2: Uh, they're flooding the market. We know the U.S. shale producers aren't backing off anytime soon. We know that Canada can't provide any new uh, oil price uh, opportunities for the rest of uh uh, the world. So we now have a situation where oil prices uh, have nowhere to go but down. Uh, look, if Saudi Arabia says it can pump 12 million barrels, it's an extra 2 million barrels a day that we do- the world just doesn't need, especially at a time when coronavirus has sapped uh, demand globally. Think China, think uh, all the countries, Iran, that have now been afflicted by this. And of course, While no one wants to call it a pandemic, call it the epidemic, it's having the effect of driving down a lot of uh, demand globally. So you have now flooding the market with oil at a time when no one wants oil. Prices have to reflect that. And, of course, we're seeing the price of oil collapse with it. The value of the Canadian dollar. Everyone thinks, oh, this is great, this is wonderful, I'm going to save $0.08 a litre. Well, think about what it's going to do in terms of the value of the Canadian dollar, which has already lost $0.03 a litre. It means every single commodity we consume in this country has now just cost a whole heck of a lot more, not to mention the economic dislocation this is going to cost for Canada.
1: Well, uh, when we talk about the oil industry, I understand that our cost per barrel, because of the processes that we have in our nation, uh, they can't go too low before it's not even worth it. So is there a price where uh, Canadian companies will just simply stop drilling?
2: Well, I think that's already happened. Uh, you know, the past few weeks, uh, the tech frontier, the uh, the lack of uh, any uh, inertia or the, the inertia now on uh, on coastal gas link, the decision by Warren Buffett to pull out of Sagney, the, uh, the federal government's inability to get a pipeline built anywhere in this country, including its own Trans Mountain Pipeline. Uh, I think it's just a piling on situation that uh, uh, if environmentalists and those who think little of uh, Canada's most important and valuable uh, sector, that is the oil and gas sector, uh, isn't a big deal, then they're going to start to understand it when the federal government starts to incur massive debts, the kind of which uh, will start to drive up interest rates. I'm from Ontario. I'm sure that uh, Canadians will be happy to know out here uh, what happens when interest rates start to go up 2 or 3% or the costs of groceries start to go up 7 or 8%. Uh, it's likely to lead to uh, what could very well be a recession.
0: Which, you know, we're, we're having a tough time here in Alberta anyway, so this just adding to it another blow. What do you anticipate, Dan, prices per barrel will go as low as, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I think twenty-five dollars, twenty-two to twenty-five dollars a barrel might be where we wind up, unless uh, Saudi Arabia smartens up or Russia decides that it's uh, it's time to throw in the towel and they need to curve back production. Uh, there's going to be a massive shakedown, uh, and that will mean even further declines in prices. So, twenty-two to twenty-five dollars a barrel, West Texas Intermediate. That means we'll be under ten dollars a barrel for our own uh, oil here in, uh, in in Alberta, and of course. Uh, that just, uh, you know, that, uh, considering where we started, say, at the beginning of the year, 63 bucks a barrel for WTI, now moving down to, you know, $22, uh, that would be a net loss on a daily basis, uh, you know, 40 that's a $160 million a day loss. The country simply cannot handle that. And uh, for all the folks out there uh, outside who think uh, this is a wonderful thing, uh, they may want to check whether or not to see their provincial governments can pay for their health care programs.
1: Wow. And as far as uh, prices at the pump, I understand that there is perhaps not even a direct correlation that we're going to see uh, prices dropping.
2: Yeah, So you saw a, a net decrease of seven cents, a, eight cents a litre here on the weekend. You're likely to see another eight cent a litre drop by Wednesday. That's on the wholesale side. Whether gas stations can pass that on. Uh, They're losing a lot of money. Remember, they've probably got gasoline that they bought that was $0.15 a litre more, uh, you know, a few days ago, now dropping as dramatically as it has. Either way, here in Calgary, I think we're likely a scenario where you're going to see a lot more stations selling gasoline for under $0.85 a litre, and you're going to see some of them pushing well under $0.80 a litre just in the next uh, couple of days.
0: Dan, we don't have much time left, just another 30 seconds, but curious, if if Saudi Arabia or Russia sort of get things in order and stop with this, you know, will that translate over the next few days, weeks? How long do you think it would take?
2: Uh, it would take several weeks uh, for the damage to be undone. Remember, you're still dealing with coronavirus, which is the main reason why we start seeing prices slumping down 40%, 45%. Uh, so, you know, unless you get those two fa- factors resolved over the next few weeks, look for these prices to remain well into April, with the only difference being the federal government pushing its carbon taxes uh, on April 1st. Well, dan, shift from winter to summer gasoline which is coming on april 15th
1: crazy time thanks for your time this morning dan
2: thanks andrew thanks Sue. cheers
1: dan mctagg a president of canadians for affordable energy apparently buy stock in pepto-bismol mm-hmm. is what we learned from that last business report 8 42 on the morning news the government of italy has taken extreme measures to try and control the outbreak of covid19 that has killed more than 350 people and sickened nearly seventy five hundred. Canadian Taylor Lay has been in Italy for six months studying communications in Lombardy, and she joins us now. Good morning, Taylor. Hi there. How are you doing this morning? Good. Thank you for spending some time with us, Taylor. Uh, how have things changed for what? you over the past couple of months with the outbreak? Um, it's
3: it's funny because it's really been also over the last week that we've seen a lot of big changes. Um, just in terms of everyday life for those of us who are otherwise healthy. Um, So all schools are currently shut down indefinitely in Veneto and Lombardy as well. Um, So these northern regions and also really any place that holds a lot of people in a public way. So stadiums, shopping centers, um, libraries, museums, universities, pretty, pretty much anything that has a capacity to hold a lot of the public. Um, and people are really encouraged to stay home at this time, too. So it's definitely a little slower than
0: I'm used to. But thanks to the Internet, it's not quite too slow. <laughs> Taylor, are you concerned for yourself? Or are you frightened? Do you feel like they're kind of hyping this thing up? Or or are people understanding this is this is a virus, we just need to take this a little slowly right now and, and things will get back to normal eventually?
3: It's exactly the latter of what you just said. So people are are not panicked at all. Um, Of course, you know, now and again, people still worry. And for those of us who have loved ones who are more vulnerable, so elderly people, people who already are, you know, compromised, um, that's a little bit scary for those individuals. So, I mean, the people of Italy are doing what they can to make sure that those people are protected and really supported and not in public too much. But other than that, it's really just one of those things where everyone's taking it in stride and doing the best that they can to continue working, keep the economy going while things are paused so we can protect those vulnerable people here.
1: You mentioned the vulnerable people, Taylor, and a recent report says as much as 10% of healthcare care providers uh, in Italy have become infected, what are you hearing about how hospitals are, are coping with it?
3: Um, so, I, My understanding is that um, all minor surgeries and minor procedures that were scheduled to occur in hospitals have been indefinitely postponed. So anything that isn't urgent, just so that there can be space for people who need it due to the outbreak. Um, and my understanding too is that Italy's demographic of people who are elderly is quite significant. Um, so that's causing a strain on the healthcare system here. So they're just doing their best to create as much space as they can for anyone who might need it.
0: Taylor, do you think we're getting misinformation perhaps over here on our side of the pond, as it were? I mean, we're getting a lot of information saying, you know, Italy is is shut down. It's the ground zero for this virus outside of China. Does it seem as serious there as, as maybe we're getting the news over here? It definitely does not seem as
3: serious at all. People are still going for their, you know, daily walks and getting together. Of course, you know, these measures are intense. So, you know, if you're with, if you're closer than a meet, within a meter of another person in public, you can be fined for that right now, which is a little crazy, especially for Italians who always greet each other with a hug and a kiss on the cheek. But um, it's, I wouldn't call it chaos. I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't say that anyone's panicked. And so I think that it's just important to, instead of reading, you know, headlines that say, you know, chaos in Italy and panic and all of these really subjective terms, just look at the statistics um and, and keep in mind too that a lot of media outlets do make a lot of money based on people googling coronavirus um and panicking about it so it's it's more important to just look at the statistics and keep in mind that people on the ground level really are doing okay
1: taylor you may have heard that over here people are hoarding toilet paper <laughs> and there's shortages of uh, hand sanitizer um how about in italy have you found yeah. any shortages of uh, products you you depend on each and every day
3: Absolutely not. Um, it's funny, actually. I think in Vancouver, where you, for instance, where a lot of my friends and family are, they were saying there's no masks and it's hard to find hand soap and toilet paper, like you said. And um, that's not the case here. The supermarkets are fully stocked. Still, um, there might be more demand, so maybe they're just meeting the demand a bit more quickly. I'm not sure, but we have not. I haven't missed anything at the supermarket here, as I'm hearing about back home.
0: We're, ta- we're hearing too about uh, travel, Taylor, that it's, you know, we, we need to uh, be careful mm-hmm. about that. So if you're able just to hang on the phone for a couple of minutes, we could come back and, and talk to you about that in terms of whether you think people should, you know, cancel plans if they've got a trip to Italy planned. So if you can hang on for a couple of seconds, of we'll, course. We'll, we'll come back and join you and talk more about this. Uh, Taylor Lay is a Canadian student who is in Italy right now. We're talking about the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus situation in that country, and we'll be back with her in just a couple of minutes.
1: 849 is still with Taylor Lay, who is a Canadian student in Lombardy, Italy, studying communication. She's there for about six months. And uh, she said she wanted to share her story with us. So, Taylor, I want to start with the text here that we got in. Somebody writes, how refreshing a voice of reason (laughs) among insanity. So there's a a tip of the hat to you and uh, what you've told us so far. But also, within our our communications with you, you said, my offer to speak with you folks on uh, 770 CHQR comes as a rebuttal to the mass misinformation available uh, uh, available about the crisis in Italy right now. So... Uh, You could tell or from your friends in Canada that we were thinking that it was, you know, uh, the end of days in Italy. Yeah,
3: yeah, it really came out of just a panic from my friends and family because I and then I thought, oh, my goodness, they're not that irrational that they'd be panicking if there weren't really some some seriously skewed information going around over there. So I started looking into it myself and um, whether it's I wouldn't say they're necessarily fabrication of reality as much as it is just a huge dramatization of it. And so the reason I called it misinformation is mainly just because it's so dramatic compared to the reality of the circumstances and, you know, people saying that there's chaos and, you know, empty store shelves and it just simply isn't true. So there's no need to panic quite so much as the media would want
0: us to (laughs) I don't necessarily know that it's the media I think you know social media is definitely playing a role Mm -hmm. in this and and you know continued reports from the WHO saying we need to you know stockpile just in case we do have to you know stay at home when we're sick so I think that gets people Mm -hmm. worked up and then you know it just it grows and it snowballs so you know what would you say to people who maybe have travel plans to head to Italy what would your suggestion be about that
3: um my suggestion would be of course if you're immunocompromised or if you personally have any reason to um, be concerned about contracting this type of flu, um, then obviously don't, tra- I mean, travel as little as possible. But th- the reality of the situation here in Italy, particularly other places than the north, so places where you're not seeing huge outbreaks, southern Italy, central Italy around Rome, there's really no, there's no significant issue as much as it would be suggested through, like you said, social media and different um different really dramatic headlines mm-hmm. um so i would say just be careful of course if you have loved ones who you spend a lot of time around or anyone in your life who is also vulnerable then be careful um but but don't suspend everything just because of a little panic
1: <laughs> well we were a little surprised to hear about the keeping your distance a meter from somebody else so what is the fine perhaps if you if you do get fined for getting too close to somebody uh, during this time
3: I wish I knew, um, but a friend of mine actually had a graduation party this last weekend and I went to hug a friend and she just said, wait, 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 we can't hug in public. I'll hug you later Um, because the police were, you know, walking around just to make sure that everyone was keeping that one meter distance. So it was enough that people would not hug each other in
0: public. Um, That's crazy. I would assume it's, it's, it's enough. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we thank you so much, Taylor. Appreciate your perspective and and your reality check for us here in Canada. Uh, Be safe. And I think that uh, you're you're studying communications. I think you're going to do very well because you did a great job. Thanks for joining us. Oh, that's so kind. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. That's Taylor Lay. She is a Canadian student who is studying right now in Italy. Coming up on 610, on your Monday morning, Jamie Dahl, global reporter, has a series on homegrown human trafficking that starts tonight, running for the next three nights on global television. It's a a series looking into the sex trafficking rings that are happening, not around the world, but right here in our own backyard. She joins us now. Hi, Jamie. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for being a part of the show this morning and joining us. This must have been, I would assume, quite shocking to you to have found all of this, this
4: happening right here in our own province, even. I, know, I think a lot of people, when they think about this issue, they think that it's, you know, far flung or on, outside of our borders. But um, yeah, to sit down and listen to these, these girls who are, one of them, a Calgarian, you know, 22 years old, was pretty eye-opening.
1: Sure. And Jamie, I think that we have this idea that these are, you know, common uh, criminals that are hardened, and you could spot somebody who is in the human trafficking uh, world on on the wrong side of of human trafficking and kind of pulling the strings. But that's not the case. You you can't spot somebody who's involved with human traf- trafficking.
4: No, not always. Although you know, police do say that there are indicators that they always look for in perpetrators. But the internet, um, and they're even saying Airbnb. Um, it's really difficult for them to pinpoint um, if a woman who is engaged in um, the sex trade, if she's there at her own will. Um, and a lot of times, you know, those ads that you see online, it's a third party. It's not the woman that's putting them out there. It's someone that is sometimes often even forcing um, her to be up there so talk to us a little bit about the background of of this
0: special that you're doing it's a three-night series so how how did this even kind of come to be how did we find out that this is an issue and continues to be an issue in our city and across the, er the country really
4: yeah in early february you may recall a story uh there were five uh men charged three from calgary two from quebec and it was part of a large um cross-country investigation and it involved um, a huge sex trafficking organization with multiple victims um, in Alberta and in Quebec and while I was covering that story was sort of a day-of story I was just thinking, you know wow, it's, it's so hidden, you know, it's such a clandestine crime and you think about the, the victims and that's when I I stumbled upon Reset, which is a treatment centre for survivors dedicated, especially for um, survivors of sexual exploitation and trafficking and it's right here in Calgary and it's been here for 31 years. Um, it's all kind of word of mouth, but the things that they are doing there is is incredible and they're, they're saving lives. Um, they can they help about 28 women um, at any given time. They give them shelter. They teach them life skills. The women sort of progress through different houses. They live together. Um, they're giving support checks. The women were talking to me about how it was so incredible to have, you know, their check for the first month and thinking, wow, I can keep this this is mine uh one one of the women were telling about how it was the first time she'd ever had her own bedroom or a place to put her groceries and cook whatever she wanted so little things like that uh and the the um i, I spoke with um the ceo when i did an initial story and i thought you know is there a chance that we might be able to talk to some of the the survivors who are here so after some back and forth, we they made that work, um, and it's yeah, it's been remarkable. These women are the resilience and the strength and the bravery. Um, it still just it gives me goosebumps, and I, I have personally learned so much from them. Um, you know, just about hope and about trauma and about you know getting through those those mm-hmm. struggles. They're, they're remarkable. Mm-hmm. What they have been through is unimaginable.
1: And Risa is one heck of a resource in yeah. our city. Are there other resources to bring awareness to this issue in the city of Calgary?
4: Yeah, there are. And, you know, Paul Brandt even has an organization that's doing incredible work. Um, and there are other different agencies that are closely working with Calgary Police. Um, I went on a ride-along with a detective who has been in the vice unit for 11 years. And he's doing incredible work, Um and to him, he even he said, you know, my idea about the sex trade has changed 100% um, since being on this unit. And for him, it's not about the stats or you know about convictions and arrests, although that is you know something they strive for. He said, to him, the top priority is the survivors and is awareness. Um, and uh, they do many presentations a year um, in schools and community groups and, you know, parent groups um, trying to prevent this from happening. And a lot of times what, what the problem is is that there's a basic need that is not being met. Um, and it can start even at a very young age. Um, he said that the youngest that he had seen was 12. Um, and, you know, these, these people, the girls, women, they trust somebody, they end up trust somebody. So one of the girls in my story... She was battling a drug addiction, eighteen years old in the streets of Calgary and she so said she was picked up by this guy that was quite a bit older than her. Um, and he cleaned her up and, you know, gave her a place to stay and paid for things and started buying her things and then all of a sudden said, Okay, you know, you need to get a job because I can't keep supporting you and he sent her a text and said, You know, you need to sign up for this and it was an escort website. Mm. And she felt she owed him. right? And that's how it, you know, and she said, I would never, ever have thought that I would get into this. You know, I I never, I would never, ever imagine. It's shocking how it happens for sure. And uh,
0: we're looking forward to your series tonight on Global News and over the next three nights, correct? Yes. Okay, we'll be watching for it. Thanks so much for joining us, Jamie. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on to speak about it. Jamie Dahl is a global television reporter. And if you want more information, it's resetcalgary.ca. I've done some work with them over the years. They used to be called Servants yeah. Anonymous Society, and now they're just called Reset. So go online. You'll be shocked. I mean, they do wonderful work, but you'll be shocked at that it really is a problem here in our city and across the country and around the world.
1: And as Jamie mentioned, you know, the components about a month and a half ago that were found, some from Quebec some from Alberta, so I think the internet is a, a, oh, yeah. a great tool for a lot of people, and mm-hmm. it does help us, but at the same time, it's so hard to peg down who these people are, because they're almost invisible,
0: yeah. to okay.
1: a certain extent. 12 on the morning news, the arrival of a new year often means new investment opportunities, but there's Such a thing is too good to be true. The Alberta uh, to help Albertans protect their finances, the Alberta Securities Commission or the ASC recently released its list of the top six investment risks to look out for in 2020. To explain, we're joined by Hillary McMeekin, manager of communications for the ASC. Good morning, Hillary. Good morning. I don't even know. (laughs) Thanks for thanks for joining us. I don't even know where to start because again, it's fraud prevention month. Um, Let's go through the list. And and what is uh, the top, uh, I guess, uh, two or three that we should be looking out for?
5: Oh uh, well, you know, if you don't mind, could we just take it a little bigger? Because we actually recently did some research um, to ask Albertans how they felt about investment fraud Mm -hmm. and whether they were comfortable in protecting themselves. And by and large, most Albertans actually felt like they could protect themselves. However, the research also told us that not not very many of them could identify the red flag, which is probably what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And 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 I would say um, there's four in particular that that I think are most important to talk about that, that people couldn't identify. And the biggest yeah. one is is I'm sure you've heard it that high reward with low risk. <laughs> right? Uh, how many times have yes. as, at least I've been told that? And. And what do we know to be true, right? We know that if something is high reward, it generally comes with at least some risk.
0: Absolutely.
5: Uh, if not a little bit more than usual. Right? If it
0: seems too good to be true, right, Hillary, then...
5: Exactly. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly it.
0: So w- that, what are some of the things that, that Albertans in particular have experienced and maybe are catching on to, but maybe aren't as well?
5: Um, you know what? Great a question. Great question. The other thing that we're seeing is there's a, an absolute risk of affinity fraud or friend fraud. Um, if, if I don't know if you've ever heard that term, but it really means that an investment opportunity, usually fraudulent, comes through friends and family, people closest to you, people that you trust. And Albertans are very trusting. In fact, um, in this research that we did, over 58% of Albertans said that they really trust their friends and family for good investment advice. And, and well, I think that's great, and we do have a very trusting community. I'm an Albertan, and I know that. Um, it's important to remember that that we absolutely should still do our homework because sometimes our friends, friends, and family get caught up in something they don't even know they're caught up in, right? Scam artists actually target communities and social groups and those kinds of things, those kinds of places, because they know that they that through word of mouth it grows. So one particular case, they finance. Um, an organization or a company that the ASC took action against had been um, telling investors that they were going to be investing in you know, lower-risk mortgage and real estate investments. But in fact, they were putting their money to other operations, including oil and gas companies, and they weren't being straight up with investors. Mm. And it was a Ponzi scheme, in fact. Um, they were using the money from... So they get money in from investors and they'd use their money... Um, to invest, and then the next people in, um, they would use their money to pay back, or pay back some interest to the original investors. So it was a, it was a Ponzi scheme that eventually collapsed. And when we talked to some of the victims, they shared that they had been brought in by, you know, close family friends that never knew wow. that they had been investing with this group for some time. So that's just one example, but we see affinity or friend fraud quite often in the province. So. Um, so certainly something to be mindful of, um, al- along with you know, if you see celebrity endorsements, chances are good the celebrity has no idea that they that they're being used, their face or their name is being used. That happens. Scam artists like to use that too, and they also like that that really high pressure, you know, that um, you got to get in now. This is your chance, <laughs> and and in fact, most true good investments there's lots of time for you to do a review and do your homework and make sure it fits with your portfolio and it fits for you so um and the last really is tax-free yeah uh, i don't know how many times you've heard that but uh there's no such thing i don't think it's tax-free <laughs> we wish. yeah exactly so those are just those are the biggest common the red flags that um that we were surprised that a, a lot of albertans weren't aware of so it's that gives us a chance this month
1: to talk about them. So your survey shows these red flags that we should all know mm-hmm. about. Um, mm-hmm. If we spot one, or if we're not even 100% sure, does the ASC offer resources that we can, you know, kind of vet these opportunities? Yeah,
5: awesome. Awesome question, Andrew. Um, so the ASC has a website called checkfirst.ca, and it is a website full of all kinds of information on the red flags but also on the different kinds Perfect. of fraud that exist out there. It's also a great resource if you're new to investing, yep. so it's a great place to go. But the other alternative is if you look on the website, there is a phone number there. Don't hesitate to call our inquiries mm-hmm. line. The people there, are they're aware of what's going on, and they are absolutely willing to help. Um, And they might even be able to check some things out for you if you have
1: a question. Hop on the website. This is the month to do it. Appreciate your time this morning, (laughs) Hillary.
5: Thank you very much for having me.
1: It's Hillary McMeekin, Manager of Communications for the Alberta Securities Commission.